Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Thank you, Andrew. Hey, it's great to see all of you. It's great to see your lovely foreheads. Uh, it's been, this, like Andrew was saying, this weekend has been, uh, actually it's surprised me. It's really felt like a reunion. And uh, so it's good to see you. And if you're visiting today, uh, we're really glad that you are here. Before I get into my, uh, my talk, I just want to say to all of you uh, a, a really big thank you. Thank you for your patience and your prayers and uh, your understanding as we've tried to maneuver these challenging waters uh, uh, it has been uh, just a crazy time, and, and so I want to just say thanks for your patience. We're going to get through this, and we're going to get through this uh, together, so um, uh, thank you. All right, uh, in two weeks, Heather's going to be kicking off our 40 Days of Prayer and Fasting uh, series. It's going to be called The King's Cross. I'm uh, looking forward to that, and that's actually going to lead us up to Easter. Uh, but this weekend, or, the, or for the next two weekends, Andrew and I are going to be doing a little uh, tag team mini series uh, called, as you can see there in the screens, When We Gather. And uh, I guess based on the title, what we're going to talk about are a couple aspects, things that we do together as we gather. And that's gathering here in the room. And even for, we've got a big chunk of the church is still gathering online. <clears throat> but uh, during the times that we were online only as a church, and I'm thinking back to last year and, and these last six weeks, um, the two parts of our service, and, 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 you know, two of the things that we do when we gather, the two parts of our service that people said they missed the most were, what do you think? <laughs> Matt Blake to the office, please. Matt Blake to the office. Okay, well, I think I heard, uh, so here's the thing. I think I heard taking up the offering and long sermons, right? Isn't that what we miss the most? No, seriously, hands down, after coffee, <laughs> that wasn't on the list though, <clears throat> but uh, hands down, the two things people have missed the most have been worship, worshiping together, and praying for each other. Our worship times and our ministry, our ministry time, and you know, and, and uh, that's actually super encouraging to me that that's what we've missed. <clears throat> it's interesting to me that the two parts of our service that we miss the most uh, when you think about it, they are the active participatory parts of our service. Like right now, you're sitting down, and I hope you're listening. You look like you are at some level, but you're, you know, you're, it's more passive right now, what you're doing. Uh, it's also interesting to me that the, the parts of the service that we miss the most, and this is really key for my talk today, are the times in our gathering when we specifically lean into the presence of God. Think about it. When we, when we worship, when we pray, our focus is on Him. In our worship, we, you know, we look at Him in our prayers. We look, we look to Him in both of those, worship and prayer. We exercise our faith when we do them. Because what we're doing is we're saying, God, we believe that you're here right now. Like We believe that you're actually listening to us right now. We believe that you actually care about all that's going on in all of the lives that are represented here today. We believe, God, that you can actually do something, that you can actually do anything, God. There's no need in this room that's beyond you, right? We're exercising our faith. One of the, one of the truths of Christianity that separates us from all other world religions 
is our belief that our God is alive, right? Like that's an empty cross. There's a tomb somewhere in the Middle East. It's an empty tomb. Our God is alive and he is actively with us. I mean, think about it. We don't talk about God in the past tense. We talk about him in the present tense. We don't just talk about him in the uh, third person, like he, you know, like he's distant. We talk about him in the second person, like you, you, God, are here with us right now. There's a, there's a story uh, in the Old Testament where God and Moses, or Charlton Heston, if you've seen the movie, uh, they're having a conversation and, and, you know, basically God's just saying, uh, you know, he's, he's very frustrated with the people of Israel because they've been so stubborn. And he says to Moses, he basically says, Mo, this is my translation, Mo, you lead these people. You take them and off you go. I am not going with you because if I go with you, I'm going to have to punish them because they're so stubborn. And Moses responds this way in Exodus 33. He says this to God. Uh, then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. Now think about what that verse says. That's saying that like right now, 1114, uh, you know, Sunday, February 7th, on planet earth, what? There's probably thousands of groups of people that have gathered but the thing that makes us different from all those other groups as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, the thing that makes us different, different is the presence, the active presence of God with us. And, and so when we gather, it is through our worship and it's through our prayer that as his followers, we demonstrate our belief that he is actually with us. So consider this. Consider this. If we, if we lose that, what I'm talking about right now, as followers of Jesus, if we lose that expectation when we gather that, hey, we're, we're going to meet with God as we gather together. If we lose that, that expectation and that, and that responsiveness to his active presence with us, according to that verse, well, then we've lost the very thing that makes us different from any other group, God's presence with us. So, uh, so this series uh, that we're going to do, I'm going to look at worship uh, next weekend. Andrew's going to be looking at prayer. And one of the things I've noticed this weekend, I think, I think with all that we've gone through, we're a little out of practice. And so this, uh, this series will have a bit more of a practical uh, side to it. And, and, and our hope with this series is that for many of you, it, it would be a refresher. But just looking around the room, I wonder if for some of you, this might be new information. But our hope in this series is that for all of us, there would be a challenge, a challenge in this series. So let's pray. And then we will uh, we'll jump in. So Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for each one that's here. Uh, I pray especially for anyone that's visiting, that they just feel very comfortable and welcome. Um, I thank you for this weekend. It really is wonderful to be gathered together uh, as a church family. Um, Lord, we're going to talk about your presence today. And I pray that you would surprise us with your presence, that you would come close. Even now, I, just, I, I bless and thank you for all the ways you're calming hearts and minds and just settling us down to receive from you. So we welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'll be uh, jumping around a bit today, so any scriptures, etc., will be up on the screen. Uh, but we're going to start off, again, I'm talking about worship, so our, our first point is uh, a big question. What is worship? 
And if you were raised in the church or uh, if you've been going to church for a while, that word worship is uh, probably a very familiar word uh, to you. Maybe for some of you that might be a, a newer word or maybe it sounds like a, an old ancient word like yo worship. Like, uh, um, but I bet if we went around the room uh, and gave everyone an opportunity, uh, I, I bet we get a lot of different answers uh, to that question of what is worship. I have a, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> I have a vivid memory of the sign out front of the church that I went to when I was a, a wee lad. And, and on that sign it said, uh, Chase Evangelical Free Church, uh, worship service 10 a.m. So if you'd asked me as a young guy, hey, what is worship? I would say, well, I, I guess worship is the name of that service, you know, when we gather in that building 10 a.m. And, and that would be sort of accurate in the sense that when we gather, our singing is worship, our praying to God, our studying of his word, our giving financially to God. Did you know that our tithes and offerings, that's, that's worship to God. So, so that would be partly uh, accurate, but, but in defining what is worship, it is actually much, much greater than that. Listen to this verse from Romans 12. <clears throat> it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So in defining worship, you know, from that text, it's like true worship, you know, it's not just singing some songs. It's not just praying some prayers or giving some money to God. Like that's part of it. But true worship is worshiping God, is giving God our entire lives. And notice from that text that that, that worship, it's, it actually is giving our lives to God as a living and holy uh, sacrifice. And why do we do it? Well, the text tells us we do it as a response to God. Really, our giving of our lives to God is, it's like giving a full life thank you to Him for all, for all, that, he, uh, for all that He has done. And, and, and it's important to notice in that text that this giving of ourselves, this giving of our worship, that it's a willful, it's a willful giving. And, and, and here's what I mean, like, like uh, you may have noticed, we don't do animal sacrifices anymore. Uh, what, with COVID restrictions, we've, we've given that up. But no, we, we never did. If you're visiting, we, we've never done that. Um, <clears throat> but, but in the Bible, that was very common in the Old Testament. Uh, that was a very uh, uh, normal part of the temple worship in Jerusalem. They would sacrifice, it would be like a, a lamb or a goat or a bull. They would, you know, they would, you know, they would kill the animal and then they would lay it on top of this altar and it would burn up as a sacrifice a sacrifice to God. But note that that animal, that animal had no say in the matter. Like you never see in the Bible where the priest goes, hey, little buddy, you want to hop up on that scorching hot grill right there? And the lamb's like, no, no, I don't. You know, it's like, but, but so the animal had no say in the matter. But we do have a say in the matter. And so in this whole thing of defining worship, like we have a choice in it. And so picture, like, this is a burning altar. Like, in answering the question, what is worship? Well, you know what worship is? It's you, it's me choosing to climb up onto that altar and literally, you know, plopping our lives on there as a sacrifice to God. So as to say, as, as the old hymn would say, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days 
Let them flow in endless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every powers thou shalt choose. <clears throat> Take my will and make it thine, it shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own, it shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour at thy feet its treasure store. Take myself, and I will be ever only all for thee. Now, you want to define worship? <laughs> that, that is a great definition of worship. When we willingly give all of who we are to God. You know, I, it, it reminds me, I remember as a parent, we have two sons, and I, re, I remember coaching our boys when they were young. Like, hey, why don't you go give your, your mom a card? Or, hey, why don't you give your friend a hug? It's his birthday. Or, hey, did you say thank you to grandma? Did you say thank you to grandpa? I mean, I remember doing that. But how cool is it when a little one on their own decides to come up to you and wrap their little arms around you and say, love you, daddy. Love you, grandpa, grandma, whatever they, you know, me, ma, whatever they, whatever they call you. I mean, that is like solid gold, right? That is the best when it's their choice. And now consider this, when we're talking about worship, we, as God's children, we get to do that to him. Like we can do that to him in worship. Like, like what, do you, what do you give to someone who truly has everything? You know what you give him? You give him your life. You give him yourself. You give him your trust. You give him your obedience. You give him your, you know, you give him your time. You give him your money. You give him your plans. You just, you give him all of who you are. So, number one, what is worship? That's worship. So we're going to go from a sort of a broader focus on worship to a, 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 a more narrow focus of those times when we gather, when we actually do sing our praises and our thanks to God. So number two is worship is part of our DNA. Worship is part of our DNA. So we are a vineyard church. Uh, in case you didn't know that, uh, for the record, we are not a Cracker Barrel church. Uh, we hear that from time to time. Um, but uh, so we're a vineyard church. The vineyard movement was started in the early 80s in Southern California. <clears throat> and it was originally led by a wonderful man named John Wimber. And uh, uh, from the mid 80s to the late 90s, I don't think it is at all an exaggeration to say that the, the worship music, the worship songs, the, the worship expression that was flowing out of the Vineyard movement was literally having impact on the worship expression of the global church. It was impacting the, the church around the world. I believe that, you know, that one of the reasons God raised up this movement, the Vineyard Movement, uh, was to call the global church back to a place of expecting and experiencing, encountering the presence of God within the context of worship. When we gather together to sing these songs of praise, etc., uh, uh, to God, like, it is so within the DNA of the vineyard, and it makes sense when you look at how this movement, which is, you know, has churches all around the world now, when you look at how it started. 
This movement started with a small group of people who were weary, burned out, dried out Christians who were hungry for God, who were hungry for more uh, in their Christian experience. And, and early on, when this little group would gather, they discovered something within the context of worship, those times when they would sing together. Listen to this quote. This is from uh, Carol Wimber, who's John Wimber's wife. Uh, After we started to meet in our home gathering, I noticed times during the meeting, usually when we sang, in which I experienced God deeply. We sang many songs, but mostly songs about worship or testimonies from one Christian to another. But occasionally, we sang a song personally and intimately to Jesus with lyrics like, Jesus, I love you. Those types of songs both stirred and fed the hunger for God within me. So it was in those times when they would sing these songs that had intimate language, like I, you, like personal language, that they discovered something, which I wonder for many of us, if we take it for granted now, but they discovered something within that context of intimate worship that they could actually draw near to God. That within that that context of intimate worship, they could actually tune into and and become more aware of his tangible presence here with us. That's within our DNA as a movement. That we don't want to just worship God from a distance like, hey God, you're great. I mean, I think that's you. I'm not really sure you're quite a ways away. That's not, we want to worship him face to face. We want to come into his presence. We want to be like eye to eye with our king with our creator, with our God, with, the, with, our, with our father. And understand that that's not something like John Wimber thought up. Hey, wouldn't it be cool if we, that's, that's God's idea. Right? Just think he sent his son to do what? To remove the barrier of sin. He's a God who doesn't want anything to come between him and his children. And so when, when we gather, it is his desire for us to draw near and worship. It's within the context of worship that we are able to do that. I mean, just notice so many of the songs that we sing have intimate, personal, I-U language. So many of the songs we sing are reminding us, hey, don't forget that God is here. Don't forget that he's, that he's with us. And you know, when I consider what a, the, the role of a worship leader, like a worship leader isn't just, isn't just leading a sing-along. Right? It's not just like a let's get around the old campfire and sing some, some songs. The, you know, the, the, the job of a worship leader is to take these songs and use them as tools to help us draw near to God, to help us tune into his presence. And, and you know, so as a worship leader, their job is, is as they're leading songs, it's to be listening. It's to be looking for God. What are you doing in the room? Like, how are you coming close right now? And a big part of their job is to help us, the people they're leading, to, to, you know, to become more aware of God's presence with us. And so I guess really what I'm saying is if, is if you don't get much out of worship, it's their, it's their fault. I guess that's what I'm saying. Uh, actually, more, more accurately, I would say this if I may. There's a really good chance if you're not getting anything out of worship that it's your own fault. Because it's a choice only Only you can make. Listen to this quote. Worship is a verb. It denotes activity and action. It is not passive, but active. Worship is is something you do, not something that is done to you. And it is something you must do. No one else can do it for you. 
You can be in a place where worship occurs, but that doesn't mean that you have worshiped. You know, the picture that comes to my mind would be, you know, someone sort of leaning against a wall, watching an aerobics class, and then saying, man, I'm not getting anything out of this. Well, yeah, okay, there's a bit of a disconnect there. But, but you know, that really is what I'm saying. And, but one of the things we need to recognize in this whole thing of, you know, of leaning into worship and engaging and making that choice is, did you know that there is a very real resistance to you entering into worship? Like when I say worship is in our DNA, I don't just, I don't just mean as a movement. I also mean as human beings. Like we were created to be worshipers. And what I mean by that is we have been hardwired as human beings to want to give ourselves to something or someone greater than us. Like we want to. We want to be in awe of something and someone. We want to give ourselves to something or someone that gives us life, that gives us identity, that makes us feel whole, that makes us feel safe, that makes us feel loved. Like we want to do that and know that the one we were meant to, to draw that from is God. We were made to be connected, to be worshipers, to give ourselves, to, to bow, if you will, only to God. He is the one who truly can give us all those things that we need. But, but there's a problem. And if you're familiar, uh, Genesis 3, we're not going to look at that, at that text. But I want to give you some homework. Before you watch the Super Bowl, sit down and read Genesis 3, uh, chapter 3. It's right near the start of the Bible. Because it, that chapter, is, it's where the wheels came off. It's in that chapter where we see sin just poisoning the system. It's where a, like a rebelliousness came into us, into our, was awakened within the hearts of humanity. So now, so now we don't want to bow down to God. Right? In fact, we don't want to bow down to anything but ourselves. We don't want to bow down to anything but ourselves and our appetites, etc., etc. And, and so because of sin in our hearts, there is a very real uh, spiritual resistance to you and I worshiping. To you and I leaning into the presence of God. We have a very real enemy who knows something that we don't know or that we're learning. That if human beings have a growing awareness and, and, and uh, uh, interaction or, or uh, experience of the presence of God, he knows that he's going to lose his hold on you. Because that's the place we were made for. That's the place where we truly find life. And so he will work overtime to keep us from worshiping. So there's going to be resistance. And if you look in the song book of the Bible, it's the book of Psalms. Like there's many times in the Psalms where you see the psalmist addressing this, <clears throat> this resistance that we have. Uh, uh, that we have to, this thing that we have to uh, fight through. And, and there's one of the Psalms where David, is. it looks like he's literally talking to himself. He's literally challenging himself this, you know, to push through that resistance. Listen to this, Psalm 103. David says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget any of his benefits, who pardons all your guilt, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with favor and compassion who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Like, can't you see when you read that? Like I can see David talking to himself and like, I'm not sure where my soul is. I'll just say it's right here. But it's like him looking at his soul going, come on soul, wake up. 
You may not feel like it, but come on, soul. Come on, voice. Come on, body. Lean into the presence of God. Engage. Like Lean into that place that you were made for. Fight against that resistance. And, you know, I, I really believe it is the same for us. I mean, don't you experience that? Where it's like there is a weight. It's this subtle weight where you go to sing, and you might sing a little bit, and you're just like, Ugh. it just seems like you're fighting to get the words out. Or, you know, like, there's so many different ways we can express and worship. The Bible is full of people clapping and raising hands and bowing down and all these different things. It's like, but when you go to do that, you just feel like it's, there's, there's a weight. I mean, do you know what I'm talking about? There's just, there's this resistance against you, uh, you doing that. It's something that uh, the enemy doesn't want the people of God to draw near their God in worship. And so there is a true resistance that we need to push through. Now, before I get to my final point, you know, looking around the room, I would say it's a fair bet that for most of you, you'd agree with what I've said uh, so far. You know what I mean? That, that, yeah, it's important that we worship, that we engage, that we make a choice, that we, you know, we lean into it, that we're not passive. But I also think if we were honest, we would say, but you know what? Worship's kind of weird. Like, like so, meaning we're not a singing nation we're not, or a singing culture, are we? Like, we're not really a bowing down, uh, uh, hand-raising, emoting culture. It's very foreign to us, especially in church. It is very foreign to us. And so I want to end by doing this. I, I, here's my final point. The final point is the discipline, ding, the discipline of worship. So I'm going to end with a, 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 like a comparison that I hope will, will help us in understanding our times of worship. And just the importance uh, uh, of engaging more in those times of worship. But I'm going to do that by looking at a song um, that was written over 200 years ago that I'm pretty sure uh, most people in this room are very familiar with. On September 14, 1814, Francis Scott Key wrote a poem that was entitled, Wow, The Defense of Fort McHenry. Think back to uh, your history class. Okay, I thought, uh, okay, well, let's go for the next question. Uh, and then, <laughs> be encouraged, be encouraged. And then uh, on, in 1931, that poem was put to music and became what? Known as? A. Okay, everyone gets an A. Okay, the Star Spangled Banner. Well done, well done, 50%. But here's what I want to do. As worshipers, there's a lot that we can learn about the discipline of worship by looking at or considering the discipline of singing the national anthem. Like our approach to singing the an anthem can be applied to our approach in worshiping. Okay, we'll see if this makes sense. Four quick points. Here's the first uh, discipline. There is no question as to whether or not we will participate. Okay, so let's say you're at a sporting event. Maybe it's a hockey game, right? You're at a hockey game, and all of a sudden the, the announcer goes, uh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, why don't we all stand up and sing the national anthem? Okay, so when that happens, there is no, in that room, there is not one person that is questioning or hesitating whether or not, uh, as to whether or not they're going to participate in the national anthem. Like, why is that? Why is there zero hesitation in that room? It's because we've been taught as children, and it has been reinforced throughout our lives that this is the right and honorable thing to do as Americans to honor the nation of America. 
And, and it's the same with our worship. Like it's one of the reasons why we you know when our, with our children that we have worship leaders that go and lead worship for our kids. It's one of the reasons why we put a big value on our kids participating in worship because we want to teach them at a young age that there should be no question, there should be no hesitation regarding worshiping God. That they would learn at a young age that this is the right and honorable thing to do as Christians. It is the right response to the king of all kings to worship him. So let me challenge you for parents, uh, grandparents, I want to challenge you to find ways to teach your children about worship. And if you're here today and you grab one of those activity bags, there actually is a really cool little booklet in that bag on worship. If you, if you didn't grab one, make sure you grab one on the way out. But parents, I would encourage you to go through that booklet with your kids that's on worship. And, and, uh, and let me say this to, grand, well, to all of us, for us to, you know, to teach our children, to teach the next generation about worship, the best way to do that is by our example is to be worshipers, is to be worshipers ourselves. So that's the first one. Second discipline, we participate whether we feel it or not. And this totally ties in with the first one. But again, you're, you know, you're back at that sporting event. Uh, there's, there's never a question of, um, in, in singing the national anthem or in joining, and there's never a question of, you know, they, when they say stand up, you sit there, you go, ah, I just don't feel very patriotic today, so I'm gonna sit this one out. Like, you just don't, you just don't do that. Right? And why is that? Again, it's because there's, you've decided in advance that this is the right and honorable thing to do. So your feelings, your feelings don't get in the way. They don't stop you from participating. Again, it's the same in our worship. The Bible, all throughout the Bible, we are commanded as, as followers of God, we're commanded to worship him. It's not like just this suggestion. It's, it's a command. And it really has very little to do with how we feel which is so hard for us in a feelings-driven culture. Um, listen to this quote. Worship has been misunderstood as something that arises from a feeling which comes upon you. But it is vital that we understand that it is rooted in a conscious act of the will to serve and obey the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a choice that only we can make. Third discipline. <clears throat> when we participate, we engage our voices and our bodies. So again, we're back... We're back at that uh, uh, sporting event. You know, what happens when we're, when we're invited by the PA guy? We, what do we do? We all stand up, right? I've been to lots of hockey games, for instance. We all stand up. It's hand over the heart, and then people just start singing it out. And it doesn't matter whether you're a good singer or not. Believe me, I have stood around some people that are, they're not a singer. That's not their gift. I'm sure they're gifted in other ways. But it doesn't matter. Why? Because we're singing the national anthem. There's just no hesitation. And so, and what happens, what do you find happens when you're in that environment, when you are singing, when, you know, when, when you're engaging, when you're standing up, when your hands over your heart, when you're singing those familiar words, what happens inside? It may not be every time, but what happens inside as you sing or, uh, and as you engage? Don't you find that your, a sense of patriotism gets stirred up inside you? There's a sense of national pride, USA, USA, that gets stirred up in you. It's, it's the same when we worship. See, when we engage in worship, when we, 
you know, uh, when we stand up, when we engage our bodies, and I want to say it again, though, like read, you know, in the book of the Psalms, it has like lists of ways that we can worship God, engage our bodies in worshiping God with our hands and bowing and clapping and singing and shouting and all these different ways. But don't you find when you do that, when you sing out, and again, it doesn't matter whether you can sing or not. And why doesn't it matter? Well, because we're singing worship to our God. It doesn't matter if you can sing. But what do you find happens as you, as you do that? Like, don't you find that there's a sense of his presence gets stirred up in your heart? Like, sometimes there's a, uh, uh, it's not always this way, but sometimes there's like a warmth that just flows through you. And you know, wow, this is, this is something way bigger than me. Or there's a sense of hope, peace in the storm. Like, let me ask, how many of you exper- have experienced that in the context of worship where you've experienced the presence of God? Just put your hand up real high. My book's going to be out in the fall. That's awesome, right? Every service, like pretty much the entire room put their hands up. So I, I don't have to, con- I don't have to uh, convince you. Okay, final point, final discipline. When, when we engage, we are encouraged by ancient truth. And, and you know, when I, um, when I hear a song, I'm always moved more by a song when I find out that song was written from a true event. Like, don't you find when it's like a true story song, it just seems to have more weight, more authority, as opposed to a song that may be a beautiful song, but it's something that someone, you know, dreamt up. Uh, talking about this poem, when France, Francis Scott Key first wrote his poem, The Battle of Fort McHenry, like, this guy wasn't just daydreaming about some battle. This guy was an eyewitness to a crazy battle where he literally watched, you know, as the British army bombarded Fort McHenry. And it was in the morning that when he looked and saw the flag at the fort still flapping in the wind, it was when he saw that he was so moved that he sat down and wrote, you know, uh, uh, these amazing lyrics. Uh, in the rocket's red glare, the bomb, bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Like those are, those are such good lyrics. What does that say? They bombed us, they wounded us, but we are still in the fight. We will not give up. It's like that ancient truth inspires us as a nation today. Well, it's the same in our worship. We are in, an, in another battle. This is a spiritual battle. And I know for many of us, as we gather together, as you come through those doors, many of us, you come in feeling like you have been bombarded by an enemy. You come in weary. You come in, you know, a, a, a little beat up. And listen to this uh, out of 2 Corinthians 4. It says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down. But we get up again, but we, <laughs> but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. When we worship, when we worship, we are reminded of not just ancient, ancient truths, but we come into the presence of the ancient of days who has always been, who has literally led millions and millions of people through life. He's led them. He's protected them. He's provided for them. He's watched, you know, he's done everything. And it's within that context of worship that we find encouragement. 
as we're reconnected to these ancient truths of who God is and all his promises to us. So let's stand up. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go into a time of worship. And so uh, here's my encouragement. I just encourage you to lean into the presence of God. And as we do, uh, you know, as we lean into the active presence of God, if you're sitting there and, and you, you know, if a, if a picture or a scripture or a thought comes to mind and you go, you know what? I wonder, I think this isn't just for me. I think this might be for the whole group. I would encourage you to come on over here. Just walk over to Andrew over here and, and just share with him what, what you feel like the Lord has given you. All right. So let's worship. And then uh, I'll come on up a little later and we'll take some time to pray for each other. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.